Hello, and welcome to Simple Man Sermons. Today is going to be a little bit different. Instead of a classical sermon that you're used to hearing being preached, what I'd like to do is just read some of my favorite scripture verses. Now I might add some commentary or repeat them so you can help memorize them if that's what you choose to do. But the main goal of today is just to give you some of my favorites, my favorite verses in the Bible. You may have different ones and that's fine. But some of the ones that I like that really help me in life. And hopefully you see the beauty and the power in them as well. Genesis 1.1 In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And He separated the light from the darkness. And the light He called day, and the darkness He called night. And there was evening, and there was morning on the first day. What a beautiful way to start out the Bible. There has to be a source of everything, a source of all good things, and that source is God. Notice, He doesn't have to do anything, but the first thing that He does is create. And hopefully that's encouraging to you, because we are made in His image. And if what He does is create, we also are called to create. And it's just a very beautiful verse. I'm going to go ahead and recite it one more time. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And He separated the light from the darkness. And the light He called day. And the darkness He called night. And there was evening, and there was morning on the first day. Notice in the beginning there is only darkness and nothingness. And not until God shows up is something beautiful made. Not until God shows up is light given. If there's darkness or despair or emptiness in your life, call on God, the giver of the light. Next, I'm going to skip forward to the Gospel of John. Now, I just read you the beginning of the Bible. I'm going to read you the beginning of the Gospel of John. I think it's very plain to see a correlation between the two. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and life was the light of men. And the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness could not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man that comes into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become sons of God, even them that believe on his name, which were born not of the blood, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of Him and cried, saying, This was of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me. 
and of all his fullness we have all received grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Now obviously this is referring to Jesus. I'm going to read this again, and especially focus on the parts that have to do with Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and life was the light of men. And the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness could not comprehend it. That was the true light which gives light to every man that comes into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world knew him not. He came to his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become sons of God, even them that believe on his name. And the word became flesh, and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And of his fullness we have all received grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now you could preach for days just on this, this first chapter in John. But when it talks about grace, I want you to understand that grace, the definition is unearned, unmerited favor. We receive favor from God. We receive blessings from God. Not because we earn it. It's grace. Not because we're good. Because God is good. Not because we've earned it. Because the price has already been paid by Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by Him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and life was the light of men. And the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness could not comprehend it. And there was the true light, which gives light to every man that comes into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world knew him not. He came to his own, and his own received him not. But as many as receive him, to them he gave the power to become sons of God even them that believe on his name. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And of his fullness we have all received grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Amen. And amen means so let it be. What a beautiful passage to read. Now those two verses both had to deal with creation. Now let's read about the creation of us, the creation of mankind. Let's see what the Bible says about that. This is found in Genesis, the sixth day of creation, verse 26. And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created them. Male and female he created them. And he blessed them. And he said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Subdue it. Have dominion over it. Over the fish of the sea and over the fowls of the air. And over every living thing that moves upon the earth. What a short passage, but there's so much in there. I want you to think about it when I read it again. That 
God didn't have to make us. He made us out of love. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need us to do anything for Him. There's nothing that we can give to God that He didn't first give to us. We are because God made us. We have because God has given us. And we can only love because God first loved us. Isn't it enough that God created us when He didn't have to, when He formed us, when He created us? That would be enough. That would that alone would mean that we owed Him everything. But we have such a good God. He doesn't stop there. He doesn't just create man. He creates him apart from all the other creation. If you read everything else, we're the only thing that when it says God created us, we are made in His very image and likeness. Now there's a whole other thing in that. There's a whole other sermon I did on that. Uh, and, and many other preachers have done on that. We are made in the image of God. What a beautiful thing. Not only that He created us, but He created us to be like Him. The all-knowing, all-good, all-powerful Creator of the universe made us to be in His image, to be like Him, created after His own image. And as if that wasn't enough, there's even more in this short couple of verses. Not only does He make us and create us in His own image, then He blesses us. Chapter tw or Verse 28, And God blessed them. Not only does He make us, He blesses us on top of it. He creates us, and then He blesses us. And there's even more if you keep reading. Not only does He make us, and make us in His own image, and then bless us, then He puts us in dominion. He puts us above every other created thing. He says, you are above everything else that I have made. Not because you've done anything good. Notice, they haven't even been made yet. They haven't done anything good or evil. He puts them above every other created thing simply because it's his choice, simply because he loves mankind for no other reason. Man hasn't earned anything. They haven't done anything. They haven't even been created yet. He creates them and puts them over everything else. You've been born into, you've been created into a beautiful thing that you're made in the image of God. That you're put over every other created thing. That's beautiful. It's true. It's biblical. Let that sink in. I'm going to read it one more time. And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Now what would a reading of scripture be? Some of my favorite verses without Psalms 23. Now most of you, probably everybody that hears this, has heard this Psalms 23. But a lot of you have only heard part of it. I'd like for you to hear it in its entirety and realize the beauty that's in it and the truth that's in it and the safety and security and salvation that's in it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. 
Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now most everybody has heard that, even non-Christians have heard that, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. I'm going to point out some of the other parts that I love most about this, Psalms 23. Notice in this who is doing everything. It's not the man, it's God. Who is preserving him, who's saving him? It's God. Let me read it for you again. I'll put emphasis on who's doing everything in this passage. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Why shall you not want? Why shall you have what you need? Because you're good, because you're strong, because you're young, because you have a good job? No. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not want because I have God. Who makes you lie down and get rest? Who leads you beside still, quiet, peaceful waters? The Lord does. Who restores your soul? The Lord does. Who is a rod and a staff, meaning who is the protector? God is your protector. You're protected not because you're strong, not because you're mighty. You're protected because your God is strong and mighty. And He makes you strong and mighty. Whatever strength you have, whatever thing you possess, it's a gift from God. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's one of my favorite parts of this. Now he doesn't promise that you're never going to have struggles, you're never going to have enemies, you're never going to have persecution. But what he says is, I prepare a table before you in the middle of your enemies. While you have things, forces, even other people trying to tear you apart, being your enemy, God makes a table before you and he says, sit, eat, rest, be with me. I make a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Notice what follows. Your cup runs over. God just doesn't give us enough to sustain us. He gives us more than we need. Everybody has, every, we all have so much more than we recognize, so much more than we need. God's not just a God of the bare minimum. Notice he says, my cup runs over. I have more than I need. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. I'm going to read it one more time. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The next one I'm going to read is from Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Come to me, 
all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Notice a simple, powerful part of this message. There's a promise in here. And if God promises something, believe me, it's true. It says, come to me, and I will give you rest. It's not I might give you rest. It's not maybe I'll think about giving you rest. He says, come to me, and I will give you rest. How many of us out there have a heavy burden we have right now that we're dealing with? Have something weighing heavy on us? Don't keep carrying that burden on your own. Jesus' arms are open wide. He wants you to come to him with that burden. He says, I'm here. Come to me and I will give you rest. Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling like you've got more than you can bear, God says He'll never tempt you beyond what you can bear. If you have a heavy burden, if you're feeling that weight, go to Jesus. He's telling you right here in person, in red letters. He's saying, Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. What would reading of the Bible be without readings from my favorite book, the book of Romans? The next one is going to be Romans 5-6. If you're going to memorize anything, I would suggest this one. It's short, and it's very powerful. And there's so much in this one sentence. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Who did Christ die for? The ungodly. When? When they were trying to be better? When they were trying to do something good? When they were strong? No. When we were yet without strength, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. A lot of people have this mixed up. They think, oh, I'll clean myself up. I'll be better and then I'll go to God. I can't go to God the way that I am right now. But that's not the way God is. If you read the Bible, that's not the God that we serve. That's not the Jesus that we have. A couple real quick cases in point. When Jesus finds a woman caught in adultery and they want to stone her, does he say, quit committing adultery, clean yourself up, and then I'll forgive you? No, he doesn't. He says, where are your accusers? Who has condemned you? And then he says, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. Notice the order. He doesn't say, stop sinning and then I'll forgive you. No, he says, you are forgiven because I'm Jesus and I have the authority and I forgive you. And friends, he's forgiven every one of you. Not because you're strong, not because you deserve it, not because you're of your righteousness. While we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. He died for you and me, friend. Don't say that I am not good enough to go to God. If you could obtain salvation by you being good enough, then Jesus wouldn't have had to die. So don't be separated from God from your sin. When you sin, run to God. When we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. 
Don't let Satan weasel his way in and pull you away from God by reminding you of your sin. While we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. The next passage is also a very short one, a very powerful one. It's also from Romans. Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. Christians, if you've gone to Jesus, you are not condemned. I don't care how you feel. You may say, I still feel condemned. I still feel like I'm a sinner. I still feel like I'm unrighteous. Your actions might even be unrighteous. Your thoughts may be unrighteous. But you are righteous. You are not condemned. You have been set free. There is therefore now, right now, no, none, zero, nothing, no condemnation for them which are in Christ Jesus. It's simple. It's powerful. It's true. Believe it. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. Alright, I'm going to read one more. Also short if you want to try and memorize it. Very powerful and so beautiful. This one is from 2 Corinthians. It's going to be chapter 5 verse 21. He made him to be sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. For He hath made Him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Now remember in the beginning, when we read about God creating man, creating the universe, creating everything, He created it. What a beautiful God we have that He created us, and He blessed us. And then when we screw up, he himself comes down and becomes a man who has never sinned to take on the burdens of our sin. He became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. What a beautiful God we have, that when we screw up, he gives his most prized possession, his very self, his one and only son. He comes down, becomes a man, like we read in the very beginning in the part of John. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. He became sin for us who had never sinned. He paid our penalty. He took our punishment. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was killed for our transgressions. For he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Remember that if you feel unloved, if you feel unimportant, if you feel unworthy, remember that you're so loved that Jesus Christ came down voluntarily he came down became a man paid the price for your sin that's how much you're loved he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him you are righteous remember the other verses we read in Romans you are righteous not because you're a good person you're righteous because your identity is in Christ Christ paid the penalties for your sin they have been paid for Everything you ever committed, everything you're doing right now, everything you're going to be doing in the future. God knows you're going to sin. If you could earn salvation by being good, he wouldn't have had to send his son. You are righteous because he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him.
So, a little bit different format today. Um, I hopefully you enjoyed it. I've never heard a podcast or a preaching quite like that. Just reading Bible verses. I literally just uh, felt called to do it. Flipped through my Bible, saw some of the most highlighted parts, some of my favorite verses that have changed my life, and I wanted to share them with you. Um, if you like this format, or you didn't, uh, you can contact me. You can look in the show notes. My email address, my actual email address is in there. I'll give it to you. It's Melito, M-I-L-I-T-O, 227 at gmail.com. Um, any feedback is uh, is welcome, appreciated, especially if you need prayer. I'd be happy to pray for you. Um, and check out the other sermons on Civil Man Sermons. Have a blessed day.